Hey guys, I'm Milan. And I'm David. And welcome to I Finally Watched, where we talk about movies that at least one of us has never seen before. And today, I finally watched The Host. And this is not to be confused with the 2013 Searshaw Ronan movie. Uh, the, we are book talking... adap- the book adaptation? From, I, yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess. From Stephanie Myers, the creator of Twilight. So you did your research, that's great. Um, but we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about the 2006 Bong Joon-ho movie. Um, it was interesting the way I came upon this movie. Uh, and to give a little synopsis, a monster emerges from Seoul's Han River and begins attacking people. One victim's loving family does what it can to rescue her from its clutches, which is straight from IMDb because I was reading it. But uh, I came upon this movie because around when it came out, probably in 2007, 2008, I was in Barnes and Noble and I had just gotten my first Blu-ray player and Blu-rays were still really expensive. (laughs) And there was a discount bin of Blu-rays and I was able to pick up The Host and then this other movie, The Signal, which is not the Lawrence Fishburne one, but one I had never heard of before, um, for pretty cheap. And so I had no expectations going into this movie and I loved it. And then throughout the years I saw um, Mother and Snowpiercer and Okja and up until Parasite came out I had never never thought to look up the director never made the connection that all of these movies were directed by the same person and they're so different but then every single one of them is just so good Um, and then obviously Parasite would probably be considered his best so having only seen Parasite alone you know, what were your thoughts finally watching The Host? You know, I, I didn't go in it as blind as you did um, back then. So I kind of knew what I was stepping into. I, I knew I was uh, getting ready to watch a monster movie. I, I didn't think it was going to have me thinking uh, so much about, I guess, what, anti-government, anti-capitalism. The, the message, I think, in the, in the movie was government is bad, so, so just go out on your own. You have a better chance of survival. Um, yeah, all governments are bad. The U.S. government is particularly bad at overstepping its boundaries. And Yeah. Yeah, I was actually surprised how, I guess, anti-American this movie felt at times. Uh, even with the opening scene, um, it opens in like a, a mortuary where the uh, head U.S. Mort- military mortuary. Oh, was it a U.S. military? Yeah. Mortuary. Yeah. Uh, the head mortician, being an American, tells his assistant to like pour all the formaldehyde and toxic chemicals down the sink. Yeah, even though he knew it would pour into the Han River, he's still told his assistant to do it anyways and it, you know six years go by and eventually it creates the uh, the monster of our movie yeah i think this i think there are a lot of kind of big themes which if you you know the fact that you saw parasite first probably wouldn't surprise you but there's a very big you know the theme of like the government kind of always screwing things up but then also there's a, um, 
you know, there's an environmental theme too. You know, this was created by dumping top toxic waste into the Han River. But then also you see um, these these people when the when the the monster first emerges, um, they throw uh, the main character throws a, a beer can at it. And oh yeah, and then everyone else like joins him in throwing all this like garbage crap in the river. And then he attacks, which is not you know. I don't know if that's directly his motivation, but I think it was kind of a, just sort of a, you know, an example. Yeah, not even, I don't even know what word I'm looking for. But it was just, it was just kind of a little, a little moment where you see, oh, these, these people who, who were doing something wrong and who were environmentally dangerous were kind of getting a, a comeuppance. Yeah, I mean, the opening, um, there's like three scenes. Uh, in the very beginning of the movie that kind of uh, launch the rest of the film. The mortuary scene, of course, is pretty vital. That's where you kind of get um, the the dumping of the formaldehyde uh, into the Han River. And then the scene after that is two fishermen, I guess, presumably find like the baby version of the monster um like four years before it attacks and you know they're saying how strange it looks although the audience um we never see it um and then the next scene after that is six years after the dumping of the of the chemicals and this guy is about to commit suicide off of a bridge and you know before he jumps he says that he sees a dark shadow in the in the water. What do you make of that? Like those three scenes back to back? Well, I think it's kind of just, I mean, I just took it really as exposition. Um, the the fisherman scene, I think I, I mentioned this to you earlier, the the way it was the way it was shot, like it gave me, it gave me Jaws vibes, because it's like these two people in the water, kind of similar to the two fishermen that are trying to catch jaws off the dock and it's it's very calm and then you kind of get the music playing and then they they find this this creature and and that's a little bit it's a little bit different in that you know it's just this tiny thing that if they had if they had crushed right then and there you know we wouldn't have a movie um but it was it, it was kind of interesting because you know if you if you see the cover of this movie, it's this huge giant creature. And so you know what it's going to turn into unless you went into this completely blind. So there's that foreshadowing of you see these two men discover this tiny creature and, you know, had the chance to capture it and prevent all this from happening. And, and the audience gets to see, oh, well, that, you know, that didn't, that didn't work out. And now it kind of sets off the rest of it. Um, the, the suicide, I think, the movie has a lot of a lot of little tiny moments that tie together really well, um, and these are things I didn't catch until I, I rewatched it earlier this morning. But the guy who commits suicide is named Mister Yoon, and then when the main character uh, Gang Du, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name correctly. Um, Gang Du, mm -hmm. but uh, he uh, he and his daughter want to watch um, their sister slash aunt participate in these um in this archery event for uh, a gold medal and they turn on the tv and the first thing they see is this uh 
this news report of this guy whose whose body was bitten in half and was pulled out of the river. Um, and it says Mr. Yoon on there. And it's this like little tiny moment that I didn't catch the first time. Um, so, and it, the other thing he does, there's this, um, these two brothers that later on appear in the movie and you think, oh, that's the first time we see them when they come up about an hour into the movie. But when the main character is sleeping at the, um, at the stand where he sells food with his father, um, you see the little boy and his brother come up and the little boy tries to steal something and his brother pulls him away. And it's kind of the foreshadowing later on where, you know, those two brothers come back and steal food from that shack and, um, and have even more interactions later on. So there's these just little Easter egg moments that kind of, they reward watching the film multiple times. So. Yeah. Um, I, I did not notice the, the little kid being the same little kid later on in the film. That's really interesting. But I, I will say that uh, the foreshadowing in this movie is great. Um, I, I'll 100% agree with you there. Uh, in the same scene where our main character, Gangdu, um, is sleeping, he is woken up by a little girl calling daddy. And he kind of shoots up awake and he's like, you know, calling for his, his daughter. And um, it turns out that it's not his daughter. It's just some random little girl. But later on, later on in the movie, uh, during the uh, a very pivotal scene, he mistakens his daughter's hand for that same little girl's hand. Yeah, and I, saw I was that. like, yeah, and I, I was like, that. oh, that's really cool. Like he mistaken in two different ways the same thing twice, um, and 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 that yeah, that was just like amazing uh, foreshadowing in in filmmaking right there. And the other thing that really made me enjoy the movie and appreciate it was the the comedy aspects of it. Uh, I think that starts out with um, so after um, after his uh, main character's daughter is captured, Hansu, um, that she's presumed dead, and everyone who was at the river that day is kind of gathered into. Um, a sort of a gymnasium place where all the families of people that have died are there and all the people that were at the river and um, a guy in a yellow hazmat suit walks in and ready to make an announcement and he kind of slips and falls and then like gets up real quick and tries to act like nothing happened so like little moments like that um, mm -hmm. I really enjoyed well, it, the lightheartedness of it you know I will just say like the tone is very like inconsistent but also because of its it, it's inconsistent so much it becomes consistent it's almost it's this like science fiction monster horror movie um but like you said it has a, a scattered comedic um parts all through it i would even say like in the filmmaking um just the way things are like shot angled even the music kind of gives certain like serious scenes um, a, a comedic tone to them. Yeah, I think the the most comedic scene for me is when the family is trying to escape the hospital, and um, they get down to the garage and they're running for the for the van, and they all get in except the uh, the sister, the uh, the archer, 
and they start driving off as they're being chased by doctors and, and you know, kind of hazmat costumes and uh, gowns. And uh, they're like, oh, we forgot her sister. And they're kind of looking at her as she's just standing there like, oh, what do I do? And then they circle the parking lot and she's just like slowly walking to the van. Like that, that moment to me was almost like a, a Curb Your Enthusiasm slash like Wes Anderson moment. Like something that would be straight out of like that type of, you know, one of that type of show or movie. And then the, the other part that was just like, reminded me pure Wes Anderson was um, when the sister was, was hiding in the bridge and her head just pops out and she's like kind of brightly dressed and the bridge is bright. And then it's just out of nowhere. Like, why is she hiding in there? And she kind of walks off to go on her mission. But the, yeah, those, yeah, those, those moments like that, just like, I think they, they make such a serious horror movie that, you know, the, the ending is kind of very jarring but they, they add some levity to it that is really well done. Well, I mean, I, I think that brings me to mention the cinematography is, you know, there's some really great um, moments in the movie that are highlighted by some really great cinematography. There's also moments in the movie where I feel like it's kind of messy filmmaking. Like there's some things that, you kind of see what he's trying to do and he gets there like maybe 90%, but there's just that like, you know, not, it's not quite as, I'll say it's not quite as finessed as like um, Parasite. The CGI for the monster isn't that polished. So at times it looks cheap, but there are some really great moments in the film that's highlighted by the cast and i think what i what i pulled from it too also was and this is very similar to parasite you know in parasite i think he paints everyone i don't think there's a true villain and for the park family in the host you know the main character gang do is is kind of considered a bumbling idiot by his father and his brother and sister but each one of them at a certain point you kind of see that they're all idiots that they're all kind of misfits you know the the uh the brother is a drunk the sister while she's like a an accomplished archer can never pull the trigger in time and is always you know she got a bronze instead of a gold even though people know how good she is and then the moment with the um the grandfather <laughs> them you know he had to pay for their escape from the hospital and when they're uh He's giving his credit cards away to what I guess would be, I don't know, gangsters or just some people who can do some stuff for you. They're like, so all your pins are one, two, three, four. <laughs> like he's just, he's just like a kind of a, you know, an idiot himself too. And just, you know, these band of misfits that are going after this terrible monster to, to save their, um, you know, their granddaughter, niece, daughter. Um, I think the tone and the cinematography are just kind of all, it's all over the place, but then all, not the cinematography, but the tone is all over the place, but it works so well given the, the subject matter of the movie and just, I think he pulled it off. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, movies that, that highlight basically, um, 
losers. Because that's it's essentially kind of what they are, is a family of, of losers. And um, you, you see their arc from, from beginning to end and what they're able to achieve at the end of the movie. Um, I think that makes it even more like sweet. Like they gave um, Gondu's brother, I believe his name is uh, Nam-il, Nam-il. Yeah. Um, they gave him this really badass moment where he's like, he's a wanted man. Um, the whole family is, is wanted. And the same, I, I think it's the same gangsters that helped him escape has tracked him down and wants to turn him in for the reward money where he's able to uh, be completely surrounded by all these people who want to turn him into the government. And he escapes uh, by like sticking a, a paper clip in a uh, uh, electric outlet and causing a blackout and locking them in the room and you know crawling out um, yeah and then they you know at the end of the movie I think the sister is able to shoot the um, her arrow in time and hit ex- you know exactly where she needed to hit um, so it's just, I think, making them kind of these unlikable, faulty, loser people, and then having them win out in the end makes it, like, so much sweeter to watch. Well, yeah, because each one of them kind of had a, a loser moment. You know, the brother, as he is able to escape all those people, um, falls over an overpass and, like, really hurts his legs. And, you know, he kind of he fell for this trap and like almost got caught. Um, the sister has a chance to kill the monster earlier with an arrow. And um, she once again, can't take the shot. And then obviously uh, Gong Du the entire time is sort of a loser up until he gets lobotomized. Um, and that, I don't know if they're trying to say that made him smarter or if it just didn't have that great of an effect on him. But from then out, he is able to, hold someone hostage, steal a van, and then, you know, sort of fight off this monster to, 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 to get his daughter back. Um, and so I think yeah. each, each person besides the grandfather um, was able to have a, a redemption arc, which is really cool the way he set this up. You know, I mean, the, the, the characters, each, you know, each the brothers and the sister are kind of fully developed throughout the movie and they all three have just a really good, a really good arc of redemption. Which at the end makes for, I would say like a really badass scene um, where they finally track down the monster at this like rally protest thing. A little bit of backstory there is that the government developed this like poisonous gas to kill the monster, which is like, I don't know if if that would actually happen in in real life um, because the gas is like so poisonous that it kills like anything in like, you know, a certain mileage radius. And they just release it in the middle of this protest um, because they, you know, like have their chance because the monster's there. So I, I, I don't know if that would actually happen or if that's the way it would happen, but this like 
super poisonous gases release and then um the monster seems affected by it which gives long enough time for um the the family to try to get to um their their daughter like you said their daughter slash granddaughter slash niece uh niece's yeah. rescue the little girl and, and and yeah and i think he he set that scene up you know the um obviously the uh the sister is an archer but then the the brother um you know it goes into a, a little side story earlier how he he said he fought for the democratization of the country and now he can't even get a job which is kind of setting up that he was a protester once you know so he knows how to make these kind of molotov cocktails and that's what he brings to uh, to eventually fight the monster kind of after they all figure out where the where the monster has the little girl so you know yeah that's that's that scene was a culmination of kind of a lot of great setup with the um, with the plot so what was funny about that scene where he's throwing the Molotov cocktails at the monster, he misses every single one. And then when he finally has a clear shot of the monster, he, it, he like, it slips out of his hand and, and breaks on the ground doing absolutely nothing. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> just a random homeless person the the one he borrows all the like the gasoline and the bottles to make the Molotov cocktails is just like comes in out of nowhere and just starts dumping gasoline from the top of a uh, of the bridge on top of the monster. Um, I thought that was just kind of funny because the the I, from the main character's perspective, his brother is the one giving him the most hard time. Uh, throughout the whole movie and then i don't feel like he actually ever gets a, a redemption arc um at the moment that like uh gangdu gets it his sister gets it and then when it finally comes to him he's like no nah, nah. well i mean he did bring the homeless guy and when he dropped that bottle his sister was able to you know light her arrow on fire and and kill the monster i mean that was kind of the the death blow uh, to the monster yeah um, and then the monster was on fire and she just like turns and starts walking away and I was like oh man that is so cool <laughs> yeah no it was definitely cool um, and I think and obviously we've gone into great detail about the plot already but I think the only thing left is kind of if you haven't away, seen this movie just give away the ending well, because in a horror movie, right, there are deaths usually. And I think in this, there are two deaths you care about. Um, one is around the halfway point. The grandfather is killed by the monster. And this is kind of one of the, I would say it's got to be the low point for Gangdu because he's been a screw up, you know, his entire life. His father talks about how it was, you know, it was his fault because um, he used to have to leave him at home a lot. And he, um, they used a, it was a Korean word for it, but it was basically kids that were kind of left on their own would would steal food and it wasn't really considered stealing um but it was just their way to get by and so the yeah. grandfather took took a lot of blame for that but then in this final moment where they're trying to shoot the monster and the grandfather is connected a few times and uh gong Du's like oh i have one bullet left and the grandfather takes that gun and they're all kind of running away and the grandfather turns around and the monster's you know bearing down on him 
and he, he gets ready to shoot and then click nothing. And then you see Gong Du counting on his fingers and just like, oh, I, I screwed up again. And what I thought was, was interesting about that scene, if not just sad, is the monster grabs the grandfather and then as hard as it, it can, slams him to the ground and just leaves the body there. And you find out that the monster's kind of, you know, he feeds off of these people. But in this instance, you know, the, the, the director is kind of setting up that this monster has kind of thought. It's not just a killing machine that, you know, just eats and sleeps. In this instance, it was getting revenge. And that's, you know, the monster killed the grandfather only because that they were attacking him and didn't even take him for food, which he could have done. So, um, Well, I, I agree with you where it's not like, uh, at times you do feel like the monster is like, um, like only has an id, you know, only wants to eat and, and uh, um, protect itself. But then um, th there's a few moments where, oh, it actually has like intent. And that is definitely one of the places where you see that. I think another place is you see it actually when you first see the monster. Um, I know you said like when, they, when they're throwing the cans at him, he comes out of the water and starts attacking them. But that's not the part I'm talking about. The part I'm talking about is when Gangdu hits the monster's tail and like, like and hard enough to draw blood. And then the monster is chasing him and grabs the only person the monster grabs is Gangdu's daughter. Um, and I couldn't help but think maybe that was uh, purposeful in a way like a sort of type of revenge. Um, and another, another moment later on in the movie where um, his daughter is trapped in the sewer, like the monster's lair. And he comes and drops a couple bodies down and then leaves. And she makes some sort of noise and it like comes back and she has to go like still again. Um, or, you know, I, I guess she's playing dead and it comes back and like licks her and then runs off again. And I was like, oh, it's kind of like showing it's malicious. You know, it's not just a monster that wants to eat, but it, it, it has some evil to it. I, um, yeah, and I think that's also kind of, you know, in one of the, the climactic scenes, um, the little girl's trying to escape. The uh, the two brothers that uh, were brought were brought um, that were trying to steal from the shack they got caught as well, and the older brother died and the younger brother is being um, protected by Hanso Hansu, um, the little girl, and she tries to escape by jumping off the monster and grabbing onto this uh, this rope she made out of clothes, and it's kind of really well shot to where you think she's grabbed onto it. And then the camera sort of pans back and the tail is holding her. And then the tail sets her down and you look and you realize the monster's still asleep, basically like its eyes are closed. And I think it kind of leaves it up to interpretation. Well, is the monster just screwing with her or does the, the monster's tail sort of have almost like a, a mind of its own, like its own reflexes, its own kind of senses to where it could do that when, you know, the, the brain is asleep. Um, but it's just, it kind of, th there's these several scenes where it just sort of lays out that this monster is not, you know, it has, 
a lot of like, I would say intellect, but also just kind of these, these features about it that make it just not ordinary. Not that a monster like this would be ordinary <laughs> anyway. No, it's definitely like, it's, it's a, it's a bad guy, you know, it's, and I feel like um, the, the director really wants you to hate it, really wants you to feel like, you know, this is the enemy. This isn't, I, I feel like a lot of these monster movies that, oh, this is because of pollution or this is because of, you know, the toxic waste the government dumps in the water or you know monsters that come out of that um trope of storytelling is like oh uh it's man-made we are our worst enemy in a way you know that's the message it wants to send but for this movie i feel like it's like no this you know this monster is a bastard bastard uh it, it definitely wants you to very specifically hate on this uh, this guy. Well, yeah, because in a lot of these movies, I think this movie kind of, you, you, you get to eat your cake and have it too, because like this monster is created by the government and like you get to sort of like hate the government that they would, you know, have done something so stupid to create this. But then at the same time, they don't make the monster sympathetic in any way. It's just an evil intellectual, you could say, you know killing machine but going back to when he first captured the the little girl um if when he goes across the river he has a guy he has a body that's in his stomach and he spits that person up and then swallows the little girl and then grabs the guy by his tail sort of switching them around and at when i saw that the second time i realized that that's because the guy was already dead and so now he was protecting the little girl while he's going through the water. I don't really know why he was doing that. It was maybe just to keep his meat fresher, but she was able to survive because she was in the stomach rather than being dragged through the water where she couldn't breathe. Oh, I thought it was because since the guy in his mouth was already dead, he now had to like try to kill the little girl by like suffocating her in his mouth. I, I guess, I mean, either which way, um you you take it but that's that's the way i took it and then so just going back to set up the ending too so you know the uh gong du's major screw up in getting his grandfather killed i think kind of sets up the ending where you know the the little boy that is being uh that is being protected by the little girl they're both captured by the monster and the monster escapes setting up that climactic final scene where the monster is killed and Gang Du in, you know, he wasn't able to save his daughter, which is kind of something that really, you know, it really hits hard in a movie that's got such a, a fun tone in a lot of places. Um, oh, you're just gonna, you're just gonna throw that out there. Yeah, we're just going, forward. we're just going for, I mean, we, okay. said, we, we said we we're getting into it. Um, but then for the, the, I think, but the movie does a good job of showing the growth of Gang Du by, you know, when, when the when the little girl and the little boy were, were uh, kind of thrown up by the monster onto the ground, you know, he pulled his daughter to see if she was alive and, and you, you kind of were hoping that she would eventually wake up, but she doesn't. And then later on after the monster's killed, kind of Gongdu goes back for the boy and kind of tries to get the boy to, to come to and eventually is able to. And I think that sort of shows some growth in him that that he would care about this this other person. But then there's also just the 
the symmetry of it because that little boy basically is Gangdu as a as a little boy, which I think the the writing of that is um is so well done and it definitely at least to me it softens the lo- the blow somewhat of kind of the tragic death of his daughter um because that's something that's something that would hit i think does hit hard but would have would have hit harder harder without that i think what even hits harder than the daughter not making it in the end is the fact that the daughter never got to see the amount of um, action and pursuit her entire family took to try to save her. She never had a chance to actually realize that they basically, um, I mean, after the grandfather basically gave away all his money, um, all of, you know, he dies. They have no more money. They're all, all fugitives. Three, they're all fugitives. All three of them are injured extremely badly. Um, <laughs> she never gets to see that her family went basically to hell and back for her. And in the end, yeah, it's sad that she doesn't survive. So it's like, oh, all, they went through all that for nothing. Not for nothing. Like you said, they, they managed to save the little kid. But I say it's even sadder because uh, she never got to see how much she was loved and how much she uh, meant to them. Right. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very, like I said, it's so hard hitting for for a movie that you don't really expect that that to happen. But what I did like is in the end, which they – accentuate with Gangdu getting a, getting a haircut and no longer having the blonde hair he's had throughout the entire movie, which I guess signified him being kind of out there and, and different. But yeah, he, he, you know, as soon as you see him years later, he, he looks more mature and then he's, he's living in the shop with, with the, uh, with the little boy, um, taking care of him, feeding him and um, still on the lookout for any more monsters that could come. But I think the development of, of his growth and the ability for him to, to look after this little boy, I think was, I don't know, such a, such a good ending to a movie that otherwise had a very sad ending. No, I, I agree. I think his character arc really just kind of um, made this movie as good as it actually is. So a lot, now that you've finally seen the host for the first time, um, is this a movie that you'll see again? So yeah, I, I'll definitely I'll definitely see it again. It's a it's a it's a fun movie, and it's definitely a, a, a thought provoking, fun movie. Yeah, I think uh, this along with the rest of uh, Bong Joon Ho's movies are things I could watch all the time. Um, I've per- I've at this point seen all of his movies except his kind of his first one um, or his first big one, Memories of a Murder, and that's one I'm want to track down but the host for sure is one that i will watch again maybe not next week but definitely you know in the near future in the next couple of years I'll, I'll come back to it so well uh thanks everyone for joining us today i'm david and i'm alon and i finally watched the host da-da, 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 da-da.